An excerpt from The Outsider by Marina and the Diamonds. These people are weird in here, and they're giving me the fear. Just because you know my name doesn't mean you know my game. I look myself in the face and whisper I'm in the wrong place. Is there more to lose than gain if I go on my own again? Be really careful. I don't have a lot of hope for the ship staying intact. Let's try and save each other. Of course. So the wing beast is now flapping in the air, and Gislin is hanging on to the catwalk that is dangling below the steam core. Oh, that's really nice. I want to try to finish off Gislin. I'm going to take out the flamethrower cartridges. I'm just going to shoot straight down the core. Fuck it. So you shoot the flamethrower all the way down the core, basically, and you start doing that as Gislin was climbing up the ladder to you. The flamethrower engulfs him in flames, and then an axe comes flying through the flames and hits you in the shoulder. Your flamethrower veers off to the side, but you did hit him, and he's lying on the catwalk between Neptune's playground and Steam Core, temporarily out. Yuri, are you okay? I'll be fine, but I need to know how well is this ship going to hold up? don't think it's going to. I would like to know how much time exactly we have left on this. Not a lot. Because the air temperature starts to drop. It is... it is snowing. Very suddenly. Fuck it. Yuria hits the emergency nitro button. Harbinger. Harbinger. We made a Everyone else hears your telepathic scream, and then silence. I can't abandon Harbinger. I want you to be safe, Pop-Tart. But if Harbinger dies, what's the point of this fellowship? Yuria, what are you doing? Pop-Tart, ship's in your hands. Meet us at back in Calm City. I promise. Okay. Trust me. I do. Just stay safe! Yuria... Why did you come here? I am not abandoning Harbinger. Well, that was unwise. Yuria is going to just lunge and grab onto Rorialis' left ear. So I'm thinking, like, you get a bottle and just swipe into her and take a piece of her. Da-da-da-da! Just tear off part of her, the side of her face, basically, and bottle it. But in response to that pain, she grabs you and you feel your body freeze and she lunges and the both of you go falling from the patch. And poof into the fog ocean below. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Six Feet Under. The last we saw of Yuria Bloodtongue, you were leaping to Harbinger's rescue. You saw Aurorialis surrounded by fire and filled with rage and leapt straight at her, stealing a part of her face. In exchange, she tackled you out of the ship, and the two of you fell through the fog ocean. 
Even though she was on fire, Aurorealis froze you, and you could do nothing as you slammed into the ocean floor and died. The end. For the second time, Aurorealis has killed Uria Bloodtongue. The fall killed you, and for good measure, Aurorealis froze you to the floor in rage. But Wrath didn't rebuild you, so you would die the same way twice. Uria, your emergency heart starts beating. The second heart. The microbots inside you begin lacing your broken spine with synthetic neurons and metal fillings, bolting it back into place. They stop your internal bleeding, mend your fractured bones, reattach your torn muscles. The temperature regulation organ goes into overdrive as your body regains its heat and the ice slowly melts off of you. About an hour after the pumpkin patch exploded, Uria, your heart starts beating again. Your vitals have stabilized, and you're alive. Uh, uh, I landed on my tail, I think. (laughs) You are alone. You don't have your ship. You don't have your friends. As you look around you, you find yourself in a forest of ice. The fog ocean has frozen. The swirling mists have solidified into a hardened canopy, and there are pillars of ice connecting it to the floor. Wow, that's... Those pillars of ice are all that stops the entire ocean from falling down on top of you. Oh dear. I mean, it's very pretty and all, but also, this kind of sucks. Yeah, this isn't a great place to be. Welcome to the Fog Forest. A new thing. That didn't exist until about an hour ago. I was going to check on her possessions a bit, and unfortunately she didn't really have much with her. She has her her big old wrench, she has the uh, virus axe, and then she pulls out three possessions. I know one of them is a little bottle with part of Aurorealis' face in it. Well, that too, but... There's the little bottle of snow that solidifies and unsolidifies occasionally. Yeah. If you ever open it, you know it's going to go somewhere. (laughs) It's going to leave. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep the cork on this really tight for now. So what else you got? Let's see. Unfortunately, she doesn't really... Doesn't seem to be much useful. She has another small bottle. It seems to be Pop-Tart Slime. Because I think we made a canon that Yuria makes vape liquid out of Pop-Tart Slime. Oh, that's gross. That's disgusting. Yeah, but it works, apparently. <laughs> Alright. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, well, even though she's been wearing the nice long scarf now lately, she still has the bandana, because I kind of like the idea that when the Fellowship first met together, that Pan picked out the bandana for her, so she still keeps that on her. Okay. And then she pulls out something else. Something we haven't mentioned for a long time. Remember that handkerchief that Harbinger kind of wrapped up in the first episode? No. She still has that. Okay. I think it's it's kind of nice, though, because even though she's separated from the others, even though she's way at the bottom of the ocean here, she still has the reminders that she needs to go rescue her friends. She has possessions of reminds her of each of them. So it's all you have memories, huh? That's pretty rough. Memories... Well, hmm. It's hard to call the memories when it was only like a few hours ago, but... But who knows when you'll see them again. 
Well, that's our goal here. We gotta get back up there. Alright. Well, looking around you as you're, you're getting up and you're able to move around again, you see that there is a dragon's corpse scattered around you, clearly frozen. Aurorealis had a little fight before she left. I like to think that she actually was a little bit desperate in this fight. And there are some scattered things that fell out of the pumpkin patch when it exploded above you. Ugh. Those can be whatever you want them to be, so... Just some scrap and some tools and whatever. Maybe a crate of donuts. I don't know. Well, let's see. I'm just trying to think about what... Which of the actual ships, because I... Let's see. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember, because we... The tower made it into the desert, at least, which is good. Well, you don't know that. I don't know that. I'm you just absolutely to... don't know that. <laughs> you know nothing about how everyone else is doing right now. I'm sure the ship made up just fine. Yes, it obviously flew straight to the Column City with no problems. Yes, I just need to get in there. The three of them are having tea right now in the Column City, and they're waiting for me. How rude of me. I wonder if there's something that fell from Curse of Chaos that would be, probably be the most... Oh, I know something that should have fallen from the Curse of Chaos. That little glass eye orb that you stole from a museum. Well, it was given. Yeah. This one wasn't stolen. You were going to if they didn't, but... (laughs) You don't know that. (laughs) I I, I have a hunch. Look, just because Yuria keeps stealing spells and abilities and various malls and... Okay, whatever. Yuria's a thief. I I think we can just come out and say it. Yuria's a thief. I prefer the term pauper. Okay, that's... Thievery, I guess, is a form of saving money. Look, when you're kind of on the run for about... When you're kind of... You know... You know, I don't know. I don't either, so what are you doing? (laughs) Alright, let's pick up that eye. Well, you have the eye. It feels just as much like dog as it always has. Ugh, hmm. So I guess the first idea right now is to look into it and see if there... Hopefully I'm not okay, blinded. Okay, see what you see? Yeah, if there's any magical ley lines or what have Both you. Both look closely. I have plus two, so that's a ten. Alright. Although, actually, you were just taken out, so all of your stats are damaged. Oh dear. You did just die. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, but, you know, I got hit with the healing... Um, you can heal one of your stats back since you've recovered, but, like, only one of them. Which do you want? Well, that's gonna have to be Courage, because that's the most suitable stat for getting out of this. Alright, let's roll one more die and see how that goes. Okay, that is a 7. Two. So you got a 9 instead of a 10. That's fine. Yeah, oh well. Alright, so let's ask two questions from the list. So, before you start asking questions, I'll tell you what you see when you peer into the eye. You see everywhere. And also, you see... It's mostly very dark. It's very murky. But you see glimpses. You see... You can kind of peek at anywhere. This eye can see whatever you want it to see. But you don't know what you're looking for yet. So let's ask some questions. Alright. Tell me about... Any life forms down here? How could it hurt me? How could it help me? That sort of deal. Okay. So you're going to, like, scout your area around you? Yep, for life forms. 
Alright, uh, your mini map opens up, and it's got about a mile radius, and there are like 30 red dots on it. Oh dear. Uh, red being enemies. <laughs> oh. The fog ocean keeps monsters. This is where this is where monsters live, where dragons especially live. And just about any direction you care to go, you'll run into something bad. Oh, lovely. However, how it could help you, um, your little radar ping goes, and it detects other pandas. Oh. There's a group of about ten pandas. Yuya does have an idea what this might be, because Bloodsong isn't a last name. It's the, it's basically the word for, well, it's kind of It's a tribe. Yeah. It's sort of like the main pandas on Blue Mountain viewed as a more derogatory term because they had different visions, that kind of stuff. I guess to say it in a more clear way, the blood tongues are monster tamers. Oh, this will be fun. The regular panda society encourages conformity and safety above all else, while the blood tongues prefer like bonding with nature and exploring and are generally outcasts from society for these wanderlust urges. The name comes from the fact that they command beasts, but among the Blue Mountain, they say it's because they tell lies. As far as you know, both are true. Oh, how our language wraps around. Let's see. So that's one question. Is there something hidden or out of place here as I head east? What looks suspicious if so? As you look through the eyes, you start heading east. What it tells you is it tells you where the monsters will be, so you can avoid their path. So what's hidden or out of place is, like, this eye can see the future. A little bit. Wow, there's a lot to this. This eye is very, this orb is unnatural in a lot of ways. I just sense something about it that's similar to Dog. Yes. However, Yuria does not know what happened with the... Does not have any knowledge of what might be with the colonists, so... So basically, she's able to see any thing that would just walk in front of her path. So she'll divert her path a bit as she makes her way towards the pandas. Yeah. Let's roll to get away safely. To see if you can reach them without problem. Oh! Got a 7 plus 0 is a 7. You get there quickly, avoiding harm, quietly avoiding attention, and the last one doesn't apply because there's no one with you. you yeah. Drag along. Unfortunately, I don't really have much stats left to thing, so. I think Yuria is going to yeah. accidentally trip something. You just die. Yeah, so we're going to have to get there avoiding any harm along the way. Alright. So drawing attention, huh? Yep. So we cut to about an hour later as you're sprinting to the Blood Tongue party where you believe them to be as a uh, Goose Hydra is chasing you. Swan Hydra. I love this episode of One Piece. God, it's definitely not just One Piece. Anyway... So that's the situation. You have drawn the attention of a monster, but you've made it. So you have 
possibly friends. Maybe. You know, I was kind of thinking that, well, if we do want to have one person that might recognize Yuria down there. Sure, what's their name? Uh, let's have her uncle that disappeared long ago. Let's go with Arwen. That sounds like a nice name. Arwen, okay. Ah, Star Fox theme continues. So, you run through the camp, and as you, as you approach, now that you can get a sight on it, you see that the camp is, like, is a dragon that has multiple tents along its back. And as you start running towards it, the dragon lifts its head lazily towards you. It sees the swamp hydra, it, and it lowers its head again. It does not care. <laughs> this dragon is, like, 200 feet long and, like, 30 feet in diameter, and it gives... It does not care about a measly swamp hydra which is squawking and squawking after you uh, so what are you doing oh crap well, I can't see the, any of the, the people that I sensed earlier uh yeah you know that they're here because your crystal told you they would be but yeah you don't see anyone right now they're either all inside or away okay well let's see if the dragon doesn't want to doesn't seem to be making much of an effort, so how, hmm, how much bigger is the dragon than the Goose Hydra? Um, the Goose Hydra's entire body is slightly larger than the dragon's head. Ah. Oh. And also, the Goose Hydra is big enough to swallow you whole. Well, my plan was to try to get the dragon to swallow the Hydra whole. It could try. It could bite it in half. Oh, that is true. So let's see. I guess I will. I guess I will try to lure it around the head of the dragon. If the dragon doesn't want to notice me, then I'll probably notice this. Yeah, you're too small to be noticed. Yeah, he'll notice the squawking rude hydra. He'll probably be grouchy and try to bite the hydra. All right, roll to overcome. As uh, the goose hydra is snapping right behind you, and you are trying to. Put the dragon between you and them. Oh dear, I got a five. The goose hydra gets you. A big ol' honk and a mouth wraps around your body and pulls you into the air. This is the worst fate ever. Yeah, it's bad. And it's rude and loud. And just as you get swallowed, the the neck below you gets sliced open and you fall back out of it onto the, the hydra's back. I swear to god, if anybody makes a Kingdom Hearts reference right here... Well, I, I mean, I just... Now you oh. did. Now you did. That was you. Oh, great. So, landing next to you on it, on the Hydra's back, is your Uncle Arwen, who has a pair of, like, a double sword in their right hand. Like, it is it is like a punching dagger, except with two blades, and they're about, like, two feet long. Wow. That's pretty badass. Hey, kid! been a Un- while. Uncle. You don't want to stand there and he kicks you just as this another neck curls down and the hydra bites itself. Ah! Alright, I'm getting out of here. Um, oh, I don't want to actually abandon because I kind of alert this thing over here. So what are you doing? Uh, your Uncle Arwen is now fighting with the hydra by himself. Well... I think if Arwen has the weapons able to defeat this thing, it might be able to cause a distraction. 
I mean, the Hydra's definitely a bit focused on you, it has been chasing you for a while. How are you going to cause a distraction, though? Well, Yuri's going to remember that she kind of has a little bit of power of the veil, although I think we haven't, you know, we'll get into that in a bit, so... We talked about it a little, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see, so I'm probably going to have to use power of friendship to raise a bond to create something useful, because what I want to do is cause a flashbang to disorient. Okay. Erase a bond with Harbinger. Alright. And actually, it's very appropriate. I'm going to erase the one that says, Harbinger gave me a small but very important understanding of magic. So as the, the Hydra is attempting to deal with this little interloper on its back, all its heads are facing its back now, because that's where the two threats are. Well, the threat and the food. And one of the heads lunges towards you, and you hold up your hand, and you do that atomization trick that Harbinger does, but not nearly as good. Yeah, it's not nearly as cool. Rather than, like, vaporizing its head, you vaporize the air and create a blinding flash. And the Hydra is stunned a moment. Alright. And Arwen takes this moment to go on the offensive, and three other pandas also show up. And it's only a moment later that the Hydra has been has had several of its heads whacked off and it's been stabbed and it's dead. Oh, it's nice to do something useful for once. Yeah. So Arwen is much older than you, being an uncle. And his red hairs are growing gray. And he's got a big droopy mustache. And he's wearing some battered, like, ceramic armor. And he hobbles on over to you and says, Hey! Why are you here? Well, you know, I just wanted to take a vacation, so I kind of fell down here. No, why are you here? Don't lie to me, Yuria. Uh. And he gives you a big ol' hug, because it's been, like, at least a decade. Yeah. Uh. Oh, where'd you get that arm? You okay, kid? Uh. I mean, Yuria's still kind of shaking and stuff, because she's still got... Yeah, she only has her courage, but... She kind of just mutters out, yeah, uh, have you heard of Rorialis? Yeah, that's uh, the, the Ice Witch, right? Who's, well, he gestures to the forest above him. Yeah, um, so she kind of took over Blue Mountain. He shrugs, so be it. And uh, she kind of killed me. He starts to nod and then... Has a confused expression on his face. Wait, what? Here, Chester's at her arm. Yeah, this is why I have this. I mean, that ain't. Usually, use an arm to get a fake arm. You don't. You don't die. An arm doesn't fix being dead. Listen, it sounds like you got a lot to tell me. And he puts a hand on your back and leads you up to the side of the dragon where. Now that you have a moment to look around, you can see that there are rope ladders installed periodically, so you can easily climb up it. Oh. Well, that would have been fun years ago for Yuria. <laughs> oh, no, she had to go on a mountain. Oh, well. So you can fill them in as much or as little as you'd like, and we can, we can skip that part. We don't have to tell the audience about what happened again. Well, I think one part that needs to be brought out, though, is that... So Yuria was... So, the arm... Yuri tells about how she was brought to Rath's lab. Okay. And that's where she learned orc robotics. 
But she started to suspect something, and that's why, for the last year, before she met up with Harbinger in the Fellowship, how she went with Vyra instead. And stole a shopping mall. <laughs> yeah. They weren't using it. It's fine. So, for the folks at home, Wrath is R47H, one of the major orcs in Yuria's backstory. There's like three important orcs who basically raised Yuria and turned her into the person she is now. One of them was Vyre, who was her guardian and protector for a while. One of them was Hexed, who nearly killed her, but Yuria killed instead, and that's why Aurorialis was mad at her. Hexed was a general of Aurorialis. And lastly was Wrath, who brought Yuria back to life after Hexed and Aurorialis killed her. Wrath is the one who rebuilt you. I think there's something that, well, I kind of thought about the idea that Yuria didn't even know she died, but she has to know because she's probably had... You have to know now. Yeah. But, well, I think the best way to show this is that there's probably a small, f like, somewhere on her chest, there's probably a small fur opening that if you open up, you can see the clearly mechanical parts in her. You've got, like, um, you got just an, a door in your chest. It's a utility door, basically. <laughs> That's great and terrible. You can open it up and you can see your pacemaker and your temperature regulator and the little microbots. That run around inside your body, holding you together. It's not too intrusive, but, you know, it's near her. It's pretty intrusive. Wrath did a lot more than is immediately visible on the surface. Well, I mean, the door is, yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard for Yuri to actually look in there, because she's trying to look over and like, eh. Can't yeah, like, having a snout gets in the way, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yuri has never been able to actually look at what's all happened to her. Yeah, for some reason there were not many mirrors in Rat's lab. Weird. Anyway, so hearing all this, your Uncle Arwen wants to know what you're gonna do next, because it sounds like you got a lot on your plate, kid. I need to get back up to the surface. Okay. We can get you there. That won't be a problem. Yeah. We mostly stay down here for, for a lot of reasons, but we can take you to the Obsidian Hatchery. It's pretty close by. Uh, you'll have to... We can get you to the city gates? But from there, you'll be on your own, kid. I mean, you could stay with us. If you like. If there's, if there was... If I wasn't on this mission, I probably would, but... There's people depending on me. I understand, kid. I understand. You got a duty. Duty's important. And you like punches your shoulder really lightly. Ah, that's still sore. Ah. <laughs> There's still a bit of an axe mark in it. <laughs> yeah, you've been through a lot today. Yeah, I think actually now that we're talking, we could probably do some recovery right now. Actually, all my gear is refreshed, so we can say that some medical supplies fell down, so I can use up both of those. Yeah, that's fine. You can patch up here. And then I'll... Yeah, because you did refresh all your gear mechanically, even if you probably lost it in the ship. So we can say, they'll pa they're patching you up with their stuff, and we're just marking your gear. Yeah. And I have some food. And actually, I think it would be kind of rude to not, like, just have one bit of food and say, Yep, I recovered. So I'm just going to mark two, because I'm going to share it with my uncle, since we're... That's a total of four damage healed. 
Um, two from your healing, and then one from the food you're eating, and then one because you're sharing food with a with a loved one. Oh, sorry. Which brings you back up. You're you're in good condition. Yeah. I think it's probably obvious by now that there's a little bit of veil wrapping around Yuri right now as she gets re-energized. She probably doesn't notice this yet, though. Alright. Well, you can stay as long as you need, and we'll walk you up to the, uh, the Obsidian Hastry on top of, uh, top of Regnar's back here. And he gives the floor a pat. Hmm. Listen, Uncle, I... I don't know what's going to be happening with this world, but don't want to force this on you, and if you don't want to, it's fine, but I could definitely use your help if you have this hunting party with you. Our world is just going to be falling apart. He gives you a shrug. Yeah, world's always falling apart, kid. That's something you learn with age. Well, I mean, well, yeah, but I just mean it's starting to turn into eternal winter up there. Well, it's eternal winter down here too. I mean, I could send some of the kids with you. We got a lot of we got a lot of folk around. Or like, if you think you can handle a war elephant, we got one of those in the fourth tent back there. That's uh, mostly tame, but it's too slow to be useful down here. So, hmm. I just because I was just wondering, like, if you want to bring them up there, because we're definitely gonna need some. After what happened with our fight with the Royalis on the ship, and what and knights, like, it also, Royalis has an angel on her side, practically. Yeah, so, ain't no dragon. She's trying to fight the dragons, right? That's what you said earlier? She is, and... Sounds like she's gonna kill herself to me. That's what I th- that's what we thought, but... <sighs> So Yuri already told him about Pan, so... Yeah, yeah. So she's gonna say, she just took out my friend so easily. He gives you another pat on the shoulder and says, Yeah, it's never easy to lose someone, kid. Wait, does Yuri... Listen. I was gonna say, does Yuri think that Pan's dead? Probably. You saw him lose his arm and get carried off by an angel into the distance. Yeah, but no, no. Did she see the lava splash? Because if she did, she probably... Yeah. Nobody saw what happened to Pan. She was miles away before she dunked him in a volcano. Yeah. I think this might be the time to... No, oh, because she... she's going to take out that handkerchief again. Okay. She's just going to kind of grab it. Okay, so what are you trying to do? I'm going to use the power of friendship again. And you're just going to just focus. And she's going to try to focus on Pan's soul. She's going to envision it in her head. She's going to try to feel feel his heartbeat, if it's anywhere. Are you holding the orb, or...? Would that make more sense to look into the orb? Because I was thinking that, yeah, she's... Well... No, she's holding the handkerchief, though. She's trying to not see Pan. She's just trying to feel him right now. If that makes sense. Yeah, okay. I get ya. So, you focus... You focus real hard. And you feel you are certain that he's still alive, but that he's not doing well. He's not in a good place. Pan needs help. I need to rescue my friends, Uncle. 
Listen, you do what you gotta do, kid. I understand. We'll get you to get you to the hatchery, get you back above the shore, back above the ocean. You'll figure things out. And he's gonna leave you in the tent by yourself for a little bit. And now you look around, like, the, the room that you were just in was, like, a little medical tent. So you just got a bunch of bandages and some food. And now you're basically left with just a cot, some supplies, and not much else. Yeah, actually, I think I'm... Okay, so I think the plan is I'm probably going to see if I can take a beast with me, but I do have an idea about what to tell those when I'm about to leave. So Sure. But for now... Hira's going to look at her arm a bit more, because there's something off. Because we told the story about what happened with Wrath, about what happened with Hexed. Mm-hmm. Just going to open up the compartment on her arm and start fiddling around with it. Sure. What are you trying to find? Do you want to do a roll? Because we can roll look closely. Yeah. Let's see, and that's another sense. Yep. Well, that's another nine. Oh well. Two more questions. What will happen? Let's see. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. I don't know how to word that, actually. I know that that's a question I want to ask for sure, but... What will happen if I do this? And you twist the knob, and you realize that in the core of your arm, just below your elbow, you see... A sonic resonance crystal and some components that feel like they're left over from something. Something that doesn't work in your current arm, but something you're very familiar with because it tore Vire apart in front of your eyes. Yeah. You're, will- you're wearing Hex's arm. It's been heavily modified, but the core components are all still there. The cannon doesn't work anymore. The sound blaster that he used to destroy pretty much anything in front of him is inactive. Like, there's, there's only like half the parts here. You couldn't rebuild it from nothing. You would need to get those extra parts. But it's there. The root of it is stra- is part of the elbow and is still part of the elbow. This is going to make Yuria's stomach sink. She's wearing the arm of someone that caused so much... This chain of events on her that she just does not like. And more than that, the only reason you're still alive... You're, I'm assuming you already had some guilt over committing a murder when you were so much younger. Oh, yeah. But that murder is also the only reason you're alive. Yeah, because I think we kind of figured out that Hex was on a rather lethal mission at Blue Mountain. Yeah, Hext was, um, Hext wasn't at Blue Mountain. This was somewhere else. Oh. Actually, no, it probably would be, wouldn't it? I don't know what's up. I don't know the exact story, the exact situation. Maybe it was. Well, there was no, there wouldn't be any reason. Well, actually, yeah, there would be. If Yuria is kind of a stuck if of... If you've got the Wanderlust, which is yeah. why you're a blood tongue, you could have been anywhere. You were probably poking around somewhere you shouldn't have been to begin with. This probably happened shortly after her dad died, so she's just, like, there's not much to be here for. Sure. But I think there's something else. But Hex was haunting Vire and absolutely would have destroyed him for probably the 10th or 11th time. Hex has been haunting Vire's bodies for a long time. 
But you saved Vire that day, and was and were killed for it. But uh, Hext's pieces were used to rebuild you. And that's and that kind of calls back to after the fight with Bola. Lyria has this one thing. She's never felt comfortable with this arm. And now it's even more sh- certain than ever. Are you going to take it off? She really wants to right now. But she doesn't have the parts to put together an arm that... She's going to probably try to wait. And she's going to she's gonna decide she wants to build a new arm. As the best she can. That's her. Not this recycled garbage. And she says garbage because she's referring to Hex, not because it's orcish technology. Sure. You don't like that guy. What a jerk. Crazy sonic assassin. But I think this will lead into the next one, next question, too. I want to try to figure out how does this connect to Wrath? So tell me about Wrath. How will they help me? How could they hurt me? Oh. Perhaps? Or do you want to ask something else? No, I, oh, I got it. Tell me about Wrath. What are they doing? What did they do because of my arm? And what do they want to do next? If that Okay. Could, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can answer that. That's pretty clear. What is Wrath doing? Um, you spent a fair bit of time after your recovery where Wrath was trying to finish the project. Um, which was would be to make you even more robotic. But you obviously refused and eventually ran away. What Wrath is trying to do is revive the orc species. And they're doing it via all sorts of crazy robot experimentation. They're trying to rebuild orcs. Um, and they're recovering dead orcs to, as building parts. Under the idea that, well, these used to be alive. Maybe if I do stuff with them, I could make them alive again. You know that she is the reason that many of the orcs consider you a half-orc, because that's what she called you. You were her pride and joy before you ran away, and she would like to collect you again and finish you, make you a full orc. That is what Wrath would do next if they found you. Uh... She wants to finish the job with whatever parts are available. Yuri has wanted for all the wrong reasons. Oh dear. <laughs> she was wanted by Rorialis for killing Hex. She's wanted by Wrath because she's apparently the next step in orc technology. She's wanted by the king, King Nico. All because she slices like oh it's look, this is all just she's just a simple panda. Most of these are your fault. <laughs> Like, Wrath's twisted desires aside, most of these are your fault. And, like, she did let you leave. Although, let you might be a strong term. I don't know the con- I don't know the conditions of that. She would- We haven't gone in depth. Well, I'll say that she was, um, persuaded by Vire to leave. Okay. So, did Vire do, like, a rescue mission, or what? Uh, kinda, yeah. Okay. So I think after all the education stuff went down, Fire was went by and just said, "Yeah, you're not going to mess with her anymore." And that's why Wrath has not been pursuing you, because Fire warned against that. At least not yet. And then Yuri is going to remember Bola and Billy. Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Oh, shit." 
Yeah. Thinking things through with Hexed and how they're still alive through you... Well... I think it's pretty obvious what's going on with Billy. Oh... Crap. Well... Alright, well, Yuria's gonna shake her head, because right now... She's by herself, and she needs to get out. So we're gonna make our way to the Obsidian Hatchery, huh? Yes. Okay. And if you want, we can skip through that, and we can say... You spent, like, two days with uh, the pandas here, getting to know a bunch of them. Catching up with your heritage. Feel free to tell me any interesting lore or anything, but otherwise we can brush it aside and you can come back to that when you need it. I'm sure besides the obvious Monster Hunter references we could be making, I don't think they're... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's also part of it is that they aren't Monster Hunters. Like, they have to hunt monsters also because, well, that's how you get food down here. You eat the monsters. But they're monster tamers. They are very different from the hunters of Dragon's Lore. They've got a whole menagerie. I guess the one question we could ask is probably what what is the dragon carrying the camp on? Their back, like Uh just just its back. Like the dragon just kinda slithers along the ground. Oh, so it's, it doesn't even notice it's just slithering? Well, it knows. It knows the camp's there. It, it's it has an agreement with the pan- with the Blood Tongue Tribe, huh. which is why it's not flying or doing other kinds of mo- mobility. It's slithering for their benefit, so they don't fall off. Well, if we ever have a reason to return down here, we'll definitely be stopping back here. I wonder if Pam wants to talk to this dragon. Uh, Ragnar would probably have a lot to say. But not to you, because you're beneath his notice. Ah, life of Yuria. Okay, so you get to the Obsidian Hatchery. And did you decide on a fellowship move to take from these folk? Yeah, I think I'm going to take a... Well, I don't know if we want to call it a war elephant, if there's something else we can call it. Hmm. This would just be like a hunting companion, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'll be a companion that's um, that gets to travel with you. I, I almost want to say a Triceratops-style monster. A Triceratops sounds perfect. Alright. You've got, like, a Triceratops with the three horns and the armored... And it's got, like, um... It's got, like, a saddle. Like, that you lean, like a motorcycle-style saddle you lean back in. Like a Harley. Yeah. And it's wearing some armored plating, so let's also give it uh, armored as a stat. Yuri just kind of gives the head a hug. So the dragon is going to slither straight up the ocean wall and deposit you at the Obsidian Hatchery. This is a place we talked about a little in the maps episode, but haven't mentioned since. So let's talk about it. The area around the Obsidian Hatchery is still Fog Ocean. Not ice, in part because it's very hot here. There is lava dripping from the fireplanes into the sea and forming sheets of obsidian over the top of the ocean, and the city is built upon the cliff face above those sheets of obsidian, using them as walkways. Ooh, this is fun. It is inhabited by lobster people who also make their home out of obsidian, 
their shells are lava proof. So they make a canopy of shells and then redirect the lava to fall on top of those shells to create stone and obsidian houses. Are these the same? Are they very similar to the people we saw near the second tower? Yes, these are the same sort of people. Same species. Those lobsters would have hailed from here or the Golden Hatchery, their two capital cities. Their two main cities. And just the differences their shells? Or or even the shells even different? Um, no. The Golden Hatchery is named that because they build their shit out of gold. In this one, they build it out of obsidian. The Obsidian Hatchery is also at war. Oh. Whoops. As you get here, you actually see that there is a train station along with uh, a Lendoran train track heading across the top of the Fog Ocean. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. First things first, do I see any water posters here? Because I probably should deal with that first. Uh, there would probably be some at the station if you go over there, but otherwise no. There doesn't seem to be any sort of graffiti or papering of any kind. Um, well, that's not entirely true. The graffiti here is unusual because it's carved out of, like, claw indents in the, into the stone. Hmm. Alright, so we mentioned that they're actively at war right now, and... Oh yeah, because... You don't know with who, uh, because you probably haven't paid attention to this half of the world ever. Here he is a shelter child. But, you know, uh, you see that there, there's a large guard presence. There are a lot of crabs walking around with their crab weapons. Which are mostly in the form of, um, the most common weapon you see uh, is a shield and clamp. Where one, one of their claws has big metal plating along the side to function as a shield. And the other has two long metal, like, scissors coming out from their claws to make their claws longer and more deadly. A more exotic sword and board. Yuria's kind of trying not to look like she's obviously ogling these weapons, but she is definitely fascinated and finds them really interesting and cool. They're not weapons you could reasonably equip because they're designed for hands that are nothing like paws. Right. Um, I should probably find a place to uh, park <laughs> my uh, mount. Yeah, your triceratops. Well... The, uh, the way up out of the cliff into the fire plains is long and winding and would probably take you the better part of a day to just travel through this city. Oh. So you'll probably want to bring it with you unless you plan to stop somewhere for the night. Something interesting, though, is all of the lobster folk recognize you as a blood tongue here. Probably because you're riding a Triceratops through town. And also, I'm not in the Blue Mountain. And they treat you with... They treat you with respect. You get polite nods and everyone stays out of your way. Oh. The Blood Tongues are respected here. Well, I mean, I, uh, well, yeah. Uh, You're just starting to blush a little. Nobody gets in your way or tries to stop you here. You are free to go wherever you like in the Obsidian Hatchery. You get the feeling that they probably trade with the Blood Tongues pretty often. Or see them come up here every so often for whatever reason. Oh yeah, I imagine they probably have a good trading system going on. And Yeah. 
So is there anything you want to do or see specifically, or should I cut to another day passes as you get to the entrance of the city? Yeah, I think this day is just going to be mostly about a little sightseeing, a little okay. asking around, see. Yeah, we get a scene of Yuria asking directions and basically just being pointed up. <laughs> well, up we go. Yep. It's a it's a complicated and winding path because it's a city literally built in a cliff face that you, you can't take the ladders. Oh, yeah. So. Or actually, there aren't even that many ladders because the lobster people, as you quickly discover, can easily walk up and down the walls. Ah, oh, that's so cool. It's a little harder for them. They have to kind of dig their talons in there so you can see there are places where, like, there's a bunch of divots where many, many lobster hands have been. But they can. But it's not that hard. They do it all the time. Oh, they must be really buff. A lot of them are. They're all bigger than pretty much anyone in your party except Pan, who's roughly equal in size to these folk. Wow. <laughs> so you get to the entrance and you find a massive obsidian wall, ten feet tall and ten feet thick, and covering the entire top of the cliff face. And there are many, many lobster folk perched along the top of these walls facing outward. Oh, I wonder what they're doing. As you get to the gate, uh, the guard is a little surprised to see you so far above the sea and tells you as much. Saying it's not often that a uh, blood tongue comes to the fire plains. You got business out there? Because, uh... I mean, you look armed for business. Well, I, uh, I'm actually passing through because I need to make my way to the Column City. Well, you picked a bad route, but yeah, if you just go straight north, you'll get there. Just be wary of them stone skins. And he points you towards the settlement of rough mounded shapes in the near distance a mile or two away that the wall is obviously built to repel. I see. Oh, um, also, is there any, like, I suppose is there gonna be lava I'm gonna have to cross, cause... Uh, probably. The lava, the fire plains are mostly molten rock. Ooh. There are, like, your triceratops is tough, it can handle a lot, but you're going it's going to be slow going just because it's so difficult to get a safe route. Ah. <sighs> I suppose there's no other passage. Not really. Unless you find another vehicle or make one, this is the only route you've got. <sighs> well, Yuri is bringing the Triceratops so she can't make a makeshift platform like the one that she promised Pop-Tart. I mean, a crazy idea if you wanted to do a prototype of that platform. You could make, like, ice boots for the Triceratops. Because the main thing is that that's why we have the piece of Rorealis in order to... Yes, it, it would involve you using that. But you if you used it safely and correctly, you would be able to keep that piece and reuse it for the platform later that Pop-Tart wants. You're just gonna kind of tap her foot a bit. Just, just gonna decide, yeah, I'm gonna have to do that. I 
Have to be careful, though. But the main thing is that she needs to get to the calm city. Because if, the, if they're all going to be safe, that's where they're going to meet up. Yep. So I think the plan is Yuri is going to make um, booties. <laughs> for the, they're not just like ice boots, though. They're, um, I want to say they're kind of propelling. Well, if they're made out of Royalis, then they are actively freezing. So it will solidify the ground beneath it, even if you leave it over a, liver, a river of lava. Yeah. Okay. Because the idea I had for the ship was that it was going to be a floating platform, and was going to use the ice piece to create a chill. To, like, float? Yeah. Sure. Cause I, I mean, think... you can still do that also. But this Triceratops is very big and heavy, and you also don't have the materials to build, like, a big old platform right now. Right. Yeah, we're just going to have so to So roll to overcome. You're trying to overcome the harm of the fire planes. Alright, we got a ten. Nice. Uh, the obstacle or threat will not cause you any harm. The boots kind of, like... There's a moment after you put them together where you're worried that they aren't working. And then suddenly just like the ground beneath the Triceratops begins to freeze. Ooh. And the guard who was watching you do these equipment, these these modifications to your Triceratops right then and there. There are many little lobster, lobster eyes all widen at once. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to... Sorry, I... You're something special, ain't you? Oh, um... Well, I, uh... Well, uh... Good luck out there, kid. Oh, thank you. You're just gonna... Let's, oh, I should name my treasure tops. They're gonna be named Hunter. That's a nice name. Hunter's a good name. So you get on top of Hunter and you head out into the Fire Plains. You'll get to the Calm City in like two weeks of slowly marching through the Fire Plains. <laughs> 